Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. founder of Gatekeepers, the CEO of Freedom First Network, the co-founder of American Conservative Movement, and he's a podcaster too. Got him for about an hour. Share it around so we can get some pub here. Thanks for your time, my brother. We got your page up right now. Here's Jeff Dornick, the, at the, sorry, at Jeff, the GK, and then here's Gatekeepers, you can find them here, and Freedom First Network, this is all on Twitter, obviously, as you're looking at it here, and the American Conservative Movement, brother, thanks for your time, I've been chasing you for a while, I know you're really busy, so thanks for doing this, uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I mean, you know, the thing is, like, I'm kind of surprised because the last, let's say, three weeks, I've been doing like two to three, sometimes four shows a day. I don't know how I still have a voice <laughs> at this point, but it's fun. Cool. Uh, just for the people that don't know exactly who you are and what you're all about, tell us a little about, about you know, your the early days, how you started out, maybe your background, your family influence, and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah. So, so really, really it's, it's kind of an interesting story for me and how I got started in, in all of this podcasting and that sort of thing. It all goes back to a theological debate that I had within Christianity about two and a half, three years ago. And I was, I was a no namer. I had an account with maybe like 150 followers, so like literally nothing going on. Right. And then we got into this debate over interfaith dialogues between um, a guy, a guy named Dr. James White and a Muslim imam, Yasser Qadi, who, you know, Yasser Qadi, he's, uh, he has, he has ties with a lot of terrorist organizations and things like that. So you had a Christian guy that was basically giving credibility to this guy that has direct influence over, um, guys with direct ties to Islamic terrorism and, and, uh, care and a lot of these different organizations. And I was critical of that. Well, this whole Twitter debate blew up. And then all of a sudden I started getting followers because I wasn't backing down from this, you know, very prominent apologetics guy named James White. And all of a sudden I started getting a following. And then uh, my friend Brandon Howes, who runs Worldview Weekend, um, you know, he asked me, hey, you wanna, have a, you wanna have a show on my network? I'm like, okay, sure. So I started out there. Then from there, uh, I ended up branching out onto my own. And I'm like, hey, I'm gonna have my own podcast. Instead of me just spouting off my own ideas, I'm gonna start this show called Conversations with Jeff. Just gonna have different people on, pick their brains, see what happens. Again, nothing, I, I thought it was just gonna be a fun thing I was gonna do every single week and, ha and have a show. Well, then all of a sudden, then I start making, uh, talking to people, meeting with people, networking just through interacting with people, you know, podcasting, interviews, things like that. 
And then all of a sudden I'm like, I have a few guys like, Hey, could you help us? And I'm like, okay, well let's start a network. So then we started a network from there. We started writing books, publishing books. And now I've got a publishing company. So now we're, now we're, now we're publishing books from there. Then I met my good friend, JD Rucker and we're like, okay, well, why don't we start a secular podcast network? So that was freedom first network. Now we've got like 12, 15 political shows on that network. Wow. Uh, that's growing. We've got the American conservative movement where we're trying to get a grassroots tea party like movement going on here, here within the Republican party. Got a lot going on. It's keeping me busy, but like all of this started out with just a Twitter debate two and a half years ago. And then now I've got, I've got like four shows that I host another one that I co-host written two books it's it's been a wild ride. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the Tea Party. Strangely enough, uh, as I mentioned to you before we went online, I interviewed uh, Michael Johns the other day. He's the co-founder of the movement, and uh, he was he kind of said exactly what you just laid out. He says, you know, I think there's a real thirst for people that want the truth and don't want to have to filter through the lies of the mainstream media. And he says, I bet you, you could find probably a half dozen of like-minded colleagues in your, you know, he called my business podcasting because, well, I guess that's what I do now. I don't know. I'm a 25-year realtor, failed realtor. I don't know how you fail for 25 years, but I'm not a realtor anymore. And he said, I bet you, you could put together a decent uh, network of people where, you know, you could give the people what they're thirsty for because he thinks that there's a movement of conservative people out there that don't trust the news anymore. I'm one of those guys and I'm a red-pilled green. I'm only over the last five years come to this moderate center right position of no illegal immigration. I'm not fond of abortion at all, but like, can we just say nothing after six months at least? I'd start there. Like, I th even the most progressive, my body, my choice feminist activists would go, yeah, after six months, kind of lame. And you probably could get a majority of them, a big majority of them to go to three months. Um, guns. You know, more gun laws aren't going to make safer communities. I don't think that men can become women. I think that fatherlessness is the absolute number one most serious problem that society face today. Society faces today, especially in the American black community. Um, just leaders, I think we can we can really pin a, pin a lot of blame on the fact that we don't have elders. So these have become for the people that knew me that don't that thought they didn't really know me they're like jimmy what happened to you and how can you be up trump's ass and they're yeah i don't understand you know i just i just innocently said on the phone while a, a very family member was sitting across from me a couple of years ago i'm like i don't know i think trump's hilarious and i i seem to be liking him more every day and the dude said to me while i was on the phone he says i want to punch you in the face right now like this is the is the visceral reaction, is that the right word? Like violence, straight to violence. Now, this guy I was talking to has no political knowledge, interest, anything. All he has is the media sound bites. And that's all I get when I talk about Trump. And I try not to talk. Hey, you want to go? I had a party here the other night, Thanksgiving. There was a, you know, a few of the boys who started playing cards and stuff. And we had a paramedic, a first responder. Much of the conversation revolves around masks and COVID. And every time, usually people don't ask, hey, Jimmy, what do you think? Because I'm already out there engaged in the conversation, but I, I, I refused. And it came to me. They asked me for my input. I'm like, leave me out of it. I want nothing to do. You want to talk Trump politics? Nope. Masks, COVID, I'm out because I can't, I can't, I just can't stand the frustration. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's really interesting for me too because I'm I'm out here in communist California, so I literally like <laughs> I say I can't walk ten, I can't walk ten feet without bumping into a liberal. It's just it's just the way of life out here, right? But what's interesting is talking to a lot of these people. Really, what it comes down to when it comes to Trump for a lot of just the everyday Americans, the majority of it is I think that the majority of them are brainwashed. The majority of them they don't actually they don't actually disagree with Donald Trump's policies. They disagree with Donald Trump. And, I, and, I, and, and one of my biggest strategies, and this is the way that I've kind of come to this realization, is this idea that if you took Trump out of it, a lot of Americans would agree on what he's doing. But because it's Trump, all of a sudden it's racist. So like one of the examples that I always cite is I'll get into some of these debates over illegal immigration and the need for building the wall. I, I, used, to live in, I used to live in Arizona, right? I saw illegal immigration happening. I've got friends that are illegal immigrants. I heard their stories. I know what they went through. Dealing with MS-13, dealing with these cartels, it's dangerous. And so I always make the case, and, and I never bring up Trump. I make the case, the most compassionate thing that we as conservatives can do for these illegal immigrants that want to come over here is to build a wall and shut off illegal immigration because that takes away the power from the cartels and the gangs and MS-13 that are literally using these people for money. They're charging them astronomical amounts of money to smuggle them across the border. They're using them as drug mules. They're, they're involved in the sex trafficking trade. They're dealing with all these different things. The most compassionate thing that we can do for illegal immigrants is to shut that down and take away, uh, take away the, the gang's ability and the cartel's ability to profit and make money and participate in all this illegal behavior. That's compassionate, right? Because that's what the Democrats are all about, compassion and, you know, helping people and all that kind of stuff. So, so then they're like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. And I'm like, so are you for the wall or are you against the wall? I'm against it because it's racist because that's all they have. And the thing is, is that they agreed with me on every single one of those points. They're like, that makes sense. We should, we need to knock it off. But can't we do it without the wall? Because the wall is the racist part. And I'm like, how is a pile of bricks or how is a bunch of metal spikes sticking in the ground racist like that that's the problem is that they're not getting the full picture the full information they believe donald trump is adolf hitler reincarnated mm. and they just cannot bring themselves to to admit that trump might be right on something so they, for me they I won't was, even I was research a, it enough to educate themselves independently they just take the mainstream news sound bites grabbed them by the pussy you know good people on both sides all mexicans are rapists like i mean I started out, I, here's my history on Trump. I thought he was a doofus only because I only knew him from The Apprentice. I hate those reality shows. I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't read his books. I didn't really know, like I was passively uh, aware of him, let's say. I didn't walk, watch him walk down the escalator. I wasn't all enthused with American politics. You know, I'm a 10-time candidate in Canada, mostly green, and I didn't care about American. Yeah, we sat and watched the elections. Yeah, we'd see watch the president. Yeah, we all, you know, mourned and freaked out when the towers came down and just scratched our head like, what is going on? I thought that people would go back to their gardens, their churches, their families, their dinner parties. I think they did a little bit, but I just thought they would say, you know what, this is, I need to concentrate on what's really important. I saw, I think we saw a little bit of that, but then you got, Department of Homeland Security comes in. Liberty's going out the window. The Americans are not saying, even conservatives were quiet on it. Oh, this is probably for the greater good. Meanwhile, they're they're taking liberties. Now in Canada here, we've got a, a provincially appointed doctor 
unelected, unaccountable to the regional government. He's to, he's set up a rule here that you can't dine out in public with more than four people, and they all have to live with you. And get this, you have to produce ID when you walk in the restroom or the restaurant. I, I can't believe that we're standing for this. At around the same time, our regional government passed a masking bylaw indoors in public spaces. We have 100% compliance outside for people alone. They're so easy to fall. Now, I could sit here and I, I want to try and keep this a little bit more upbeat because I appreciate, I think you're more upbeat than anybody I've had on the show. I'm definitely not uh, recently, but hope. Like, dude, the media is against us for people that stand for traditional marriage. Not that there's anything. I, be gay. I don't have anything wrong with transitioning pre-pubescent children as child abuse. Like, no. You want you want to change your sex? At 18, you can make that decision. It seems like a radical position now. Nobody's standing. There's very few Stephen Crowders, Gavin McInneses, you know, Eric Matheny's out there that stand, yourself included, that stand for traditional masculinity. No, women are not equal to men, actually. We put women above us. We protect them. They give us life. They're like, no, we're not equal. Like, we're way stronger. We, you know, we do different things better. So I don't know if you can help me with this, but I'm feeling I'm feeling hopeless with what's going on with the electoral process because Trump, I mean, come on, man. There's no way. There's no way. Trump was doing five rallies a day for two weeks prior to the election. They love him down there. And to think that uh, Biden got more votes than Hillary and, and, and the anomalies in, this, uh, anomalies in the swing states, the down balloting that didn't happen under Trump, you know, all, of, all his guys underneath him got elected in that state, but he didn't. Like, it's just, what, the suitcases? Like, I'm, I'm getting to a point. I was so resigned and cynical, I'm blathering a little bit. But after I stayed up all night, I carried a lot of it live. The next day, I go, I'm out. I'm out. I can't care anymore. I can't. I can't get emotional about this. I can't. I can't invest it. I'm out. I don't care. Joe Biden and AOC and Ilhan Omar can run that country into the ground. I don't care. I'm out. And then the more I interviewed, and especially when I was talking talking to Michael Johns the other day, I said, "Yeah, I think I'm in denial. <laughs> I think I'm still really invested in. He's going to win. They're going to overturn it. I don't get." how the states can change the way you elect the president. I don't get how there's no federal infrastructure to produce ballots, to collect ballots, and to count ballots. I don't think, you know, it's an arm's length. It should be an arm's length federal agency, not Trump's people, obviously. But I just, I, I, I fail to see how a Supreme Court can look at this and go, wait a minute. You passed this 90 minutes before the election and allowed mail -in, universal mail-in ballots with no checks and balances, and that's going to fly? I, I just, I will not believe. And I was, I'm afraid that Michael said the other day, because I summarized it, I have to go back and listen to his answer because I'm not really good at listening when I'm doing a broadcast. You know what it's like. Uh, I summed it up by saying, okay, so what you think is the argument is solid constitutionally. They've got all the evidence, and you think that the Supreme Court will lack the political courage to do anything? I think that's where he's at. I hate to say it, but, and he's, I mean, he's been in the fight forever, this man. And yeah. if you got Michael Johns beat down to a place where he goes, you know what, I think yeah, we got screwed, and there's, there's, there's nothing's going to happen about it. 
What can you do yeah. to shed a little bit of hope on that after that big rant? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, but but, but here, here's here's the here's the way that I look at this is that obviously there's there's hiccups, there's speed bumps in the road, spe- specifically right now. Like like I think it was Sydney Sydney Powell today in her in her court case um, in in Georgia, I believe was just was just um, like thrown out by by the judge saying that she should have filed this months ago. And I'm like, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, but the election just happened. So how could she preemptively? prove that they were going to cheat before they cheated and then they have the evidence like that logically doesn't make sense but but i think the thing the thing is is that on on the more positive upbeat side is we do have the truth on our side now the question is how long do we have to get the truth out there so the question here specifically when it comes to this election is do we have enough time to make sure that joe biden is not inaugurated on january 20th i'm still saying more than likely yes the, the thing is, is that we're going up against the machine. We're going up against corruption and collusion where the difference between the left and the conservatives right now here in the United States, in my opinion, is that the left are willing to do anything that they have to do to gain power. That I mean, we've seen that with Black Lives Matter, rioting, looting in the streets, destroying property, hurt, causing injury to people. They, they literally, there's no line that they will not cross. We see this with this election. They're willing to, to lie, cheat, and steal in order to win this election. We're seeing this happen before our eyes, right? The, I think the thing that, that, make, that give, gives us a disadvantage as conservatives is we have morals. Why? Because we believe in God. The Democrat platform is very anti-God. It's very anti-Christian. They're, it's very atheistic. They don't, they don't have a set of morals. The conservative movement is rooted in morality. The conservative movement is, is rooted in there's certain lines we will not cross. We'll do everything within our power to win as long as it's legal. The left is we'll do everything within our power to win, period. And there's a difference. So that's really kind of what we're going up against. The key distinction, though, is, is I firmly believe we do have the truth on our side. So however long it takes to get that truth out there, at least we do have it. And, and I think that there's that, that always gives us the possibility and the strong chance of actually turning things around. And the thing is, is that, you know, cause I'm a Christian, I've got, I've got my Christian podcast. I've got my secular podcast. I've got all that kind of stuff. When I, when I look in the Bible and I see the nation of Israel in the old Testament, the nation of Israel was very corrupt. They had horrific leaders. There, there were times when literally there would be like a small handful. I think there's a couple examples where there was like literally one or two guys that that was all that was left that was honoring God. And they, and they still were, were obedient and God honored that and then brought Israel back out of their sin, out of their destruction, out of their corruption and all that kind of stuff. God honored that. We see that in history. Look at our founding fathers here in the U.S. George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Tom, all these guys, they literally, there was a small handful of guys that were like, this government with England, the King of England, he's abusing us. He's taxing us without representation. Uh, they're, they're literally, they're, their military are intimidating us. They're taking over our properties. This enough is enough. And a small handful of guys, even though the colonies were split, the uh, popularity wise, like 50-50 on whether they, they wanted to break apart from, from England. But those, those small handful of guys, they're like, enough is enough. We're going to do this. And in all reality, God honored their obedience and they took a stand. So for me, when I'm looking at this right now, we've got a handful of people, actually more than a handful, because if you look, if you look at uh, the election results without, uh, without the fraud, eh, Trump actually won in a pretty convincing manner. So we've got more than just a handful of people. But if we will not lose heart, we will not give up. We will keep pushing. We will keep fighting. 
I firmly believe that we can turn things around and actually and actually fix this election, bring this back, overturn it, and expose the corruption, expose the deep state. It's a tall order. It's a crap ton of work that we've got to do. But when push comes to shove, we're right. And more than just being conservative right, we're right in the sense of we've got the truth on our side. What do you say to, I was at a funeral for a 22-year-old kid the other day. Not sure how he died. We have our speculations. I'm not going to go publicly about that. But it was a horrific event for a girlfriend of mine who married a good friend of mine. Um, oh, just a crushing, crushing event. And I was with a buddy. We're rolling in his truck. And I don't know where it came from, but I'm, I was talking about a friend of mine's kids. They're Christian. They've grown up very well. There's no problems. They don't swear. They don't drink. They don't curse. They try to live a good Christian life. I'm a horrible Christian. I'm the first one to admit it. Like, uh, I try, but I just, I feel, uh, the more, the deeper I get with my faith, the more I realize I'm not worthy, you know? I know that's self-deprecation, but it's, and it's a little bit of my Catholic guilt probably seeping in. Um, I'm all better now. I'm not Catholic anymore. But I said to my buddy, I'm going, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a good Christian family. You know, these people, a lot of them grow up never drinking, never doing drugs. I mean, there's, we killed, you know, when Nietzsche said, uh, God is dead, he was not celebrating that. He was lamenting the fact that, what do you expect is going to happen if you, if you take the foundations of a successful society, let's call it even Western culture, but just, over the for a millennia, our family structures have kept us going. Our belief in a higher power has kept our laws. I mean, I like how Shapiro put it the other day. Genesis one twenty six says, "We created man in our image." I, I always said, "What is, what's our?" I thought there was only one God. Maybe that's the triune thing. And I don't, ex, you know, I don't expect to get into a whole, you know, analysis of the Bible. But that one verse starts everything our equality our human value our morality and our laws come from your god-given rights government doesn't give you rights and so i appreciate your thoughts on again i go back to fatherlessness we killed god what did you expect was going to happen we destroyed the family unit especially in the black community with welfare payments saying well you can get welfare you just can't have a man in the house Oh, I can do it without a man. This feminism, you don't need a man. You know, two women can bring up a family, just a, or two, a gay couple. No, man, woman, and, and child is the ultimate, most successful thing that we've known. You know, where do you start when we're, it's, we seem to be really far gone on this idea of God is dead and so is the traditional family? Yeah, well, and, and, and you got to think, like every single aspect of influence in our society is teaching that you've got the entertainment industry, you've got uh, you've got education system, academia, you've got the mainstream media, you've got politics. Every single form of influence over people is reinforcing this this atheistic worldview that's devaluing human life, devaluing personal responsibility, devaluing morality. And like the Bible says, they're calling evil good and good evil. That's literally what our society is doing. And, and you know, and not not to do not to turn this into like a, a shameless plug or anything like that, but but we have, we have a book talking about this infiltration out right now. It's called Church and State: How the Left Used the Church 
to conquer America. And, and it's, it's following the strategy of infiltration that the left has been doing. They've been very intentional about it over the decades. And again, this kind of goes back to the difference between the left and, and the conservatives when it comes to our strategy. Conservatives, they get, they get jacked up every election year. And then the three years in between here in the U.S., it's like we kind of take a back seat. And we're just kind of like, OK, mm -hmm. we're good. We're going about our lives because we're right. entrepreneurial. We're very yeah. individualistic. We're working hard. We're building our businesses. And then comes 2024 coming up and everybody's going to get riled up again. And in, it, the thing is, is that the left, they keep trucking away. They mm -hmm. keep plugging away. They're it's almost like the 10, war is won in between elections, really. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They're looking 10, 30, 50 years down the road. All, everything that's happening today has been in the works for like 40 years because none of this with what we're going through today with Black Lives Matter, the brainwashing of people, the censorship, social media, everything, all of this was – all the groundwork was laid back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. The infiltration was coming, and then now everybody – all the conservatives are like, well, how the heck did we get here? Well, maybe we didn't put up the fight 20 years ago when we should have been. Mm -hmm. Maybe two years ago – we weren't willing to actually take a stand against this, and we tolerated this. Mm -hmm. When Black Lives Matter came out, instead of pushing back with their ideology, we we're like, okay, let's just not get involved because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to start a fight. Let's just we're get, we're going to be good Christians and just kind of take a step back. Well, maybe we should have fought back a little bit more ideologically and with the truth, and maybe we could we we wouldn't be as crazy off the deep end as we are today. Mm. Jeff Dornick is my guest. Brother, I, I appreciate, you know, I didn't know I'm a huge Eagles fan. Huge. Like, man, sometimes I think, I heard the opinion the other day, you know, uh, sports is just a distraction for good people to not pay attention to what's going on. I don't know what I do without music and sports. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know why Colin Kaepernick was kneeling on the sideline, and I think I was, you know, um, passively supportive and ignorant at the same time. And then I started looking into, okay, what is this all about? Black Lives Matter. Okay, what's that all about? Okay, well, it's based on uh, police violence. Okay, police violence is abhorrent. You cannot find anyone that sees a video of somebody being treated unfairly and violently beated, beaten by cops or anyone being bullied without any normal human being being outraged. Doesn't matter who's the victim. And then I'm like, okay, wait a second. There's more white people that get shot by cops unarmed in the States. Double by the FBI stats. Wait, so it's a, it's not true. Okay, so Black Lives Matter based on a lie? And then there were so many other concurrent false narratives that I was fighting at the time when the gender pay gap, it's bullshit. And women actually make more money before they go into having child children. Um and then it drop make drop off after you know the, like there's you can't have it you need a univariate analysis of the, what they call it like you just can't take one thing and go okay averages and I think Obama started that and then there's so many false narratives now you know men can become women um, I'm I'll call you Nancy from Nate if you want and I'll treat you like a woman if you present as one but. You're not biologically, you can't change. And then this idea that oh, trans, what is it? I don't want to say tranny story hour. What is it? Uh, well, they have the, oh, I, the cross yeah, dressers, um, right. whatever story hour for grade threes. Mm -hmm. Don't, 
indoctrinate my kids. You know, like, I wonder how you fight against these false narratives that so many people buy into. It's like talking to somebody with TDS. Oh, no, Trump's this because I heard it on MSNBC. And it's the same thing as, oh, well, yeah, black people, you know, I go to war with these people all the time on Facebook. Well, that's because police are rampantly oppressing black people. No, they're not, actually. Black people commit more crimes. <laughs> they resist arrest. Like George Floyd, we gave him a, a, a state funeral, a gold casket. I say we because I, you know, I'm really in, I've got a lot of American friends and family. Uh, and I consider, you know, I only just started saying that the USA is the greatest country in the world because I used to think Canada was. But now, you if you misgender someone and you go before the Human Rights Tribunal and you get a, a judgment against you that awards a monetary payment and you don't pay it, you go to jail. Now, I know that's extreme. It doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. You can lose your kids if you don't take them for immediate transition if they come to you at three or four years old and say, I don't want this. I want what she's got. Can I get that instead? Like, how do you fight against the the monopoly of media, big tech, that perpetually uh, censors conservative three facts and free thinking and then propagates lies all the time? You know, the, the burn cities to the ground because this fentanyl addict, this man that held a gun to a pregnant woman's belly, pistol whipped her and then robbed her. What? George Floyd was a six-time felon. No offense. You know, maybe he shouldn't have, but he, he did say, I can't breathe four times before he got on the ground, and he resisted arrest for a full half an hour. He killed himself, and then he dropped, I think he ate all his fentanyl. They, even the body cam sees that five-milligram five, uh, tab of fentanyl on his tongue. They're like, yeah, mm -hmm. he overdosed. What do you think? Yeah. And, 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 and again, that, that, that becomes, that becomes the issue of, it's almost like we're living in two different realities between mm -hmm. us, us and the left. It's, it, it's a very strange thing talking to people that, uh, where they get their, they get their news from the mainstream media and they have no clue. Like the majority of my liberal friends had no idea about Hunter Biden and his laptop. Yeah. Right. Like literally no clue. They're like, what, what does Joe Biden's son have to do with it? Like, what does his laptop, laptop have to do with anything? Um, maybe mm -hmm. you guys should do Example of this is, you know, and I, I was just talking about this on my podcast this morning. Is we're out here in California, we're on, we're in lockdown right now um, with Gavin Newsom, and this just came into effect. Um, and the problem that I've been pointing out is Gavin Newsom is manipulating the numbers and cherry picking numbers to make it seem like COVID nineteen is actually worse than it actually is. So, for example, uh, up until about a week ago, Gavin Newsom was citing test positivity rates as as the data that we need to look at in order to justify um, uh, shutdowns and that sort of thing. Well, the problem with that is that the majority of people that are going to get tested think that they have COVID-19 or they're going into the hospital or they're already sick. So it's, it's already skewed towards that. So it's, so it's a manipulation of the numbers. You're not looking at the death rate. You're not looking at the total number of cases or anything like that. And to me, for being the party of science, they sure don't seem to be rooted in science at all. Now, Right now, the lockdowns that we're going through right now, are it's even more of a bogus statistic than anything I've seen come out of the left. So what he's looking at this time is he said that the capacity of ICU, so, so intensive care units in hospitals, cannot be above 85% because he's, because he's making it seem 
as if that's an extremely high number. It's showing, look, COVID-19 is, is taking over emergency rooms. It's taking over our IC unit, units. There's no more beds. There's no more anything. We're all going to die unless we shut down, right? Well, the argument but, on that, if you run an ICU at a regular under 50%, they close the hospital. <laughs> You're just do, not do, doing do, enough do, business. Right now in California, this time of year, do you know what the typical uh, ICU capacity is? 15 Right, right. So right, so right now, the, so right now, normally there would be ninety percent of beds would be used really? at this point in a normal in a normal year okay. pre COVID nineteen. So normally there'd be about ten percent of ICU oh. beds available. Okay. Wow. Right now we have fifteen percent of beds available. But Gavin oh. Newsom, because most people don't know that, he's trying to make it seem like COVID nineteen is rampant. We've got more people in hospitals, more people dying, more people, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, actually. The ICU numbers are less than normal. It's better now than it was pre-COVID-19, but you're shutting us down for doing better now than it used to be last year. We've got an interactive site on StatsCan. It's called uh, 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 Weekly Death Count. Um, Anyone can go to it. We're at a six year, it's only been up, only the data's on it's been six years. We're at an all, like a six time, six year low for deaths and we're drastically under that and the world meters i like to use world meters because a lot of the other media types use it and it's really a functional worldmeters.info i think it is i looked in canadian stats the other day and i'm not a stats guy i'm the first to tell you the analysis of it is not very deep so i take the very shallow uh surface look at it in april we were averaging under, but let's just round it off to 2,000 new, well, I shouldn't call them cases because I think they're positive tests. And there is a difference. I put this on my wall the other day and I got crucified. Positive tests do not equal cases. We didn't. We don't know if the asymptomatic are spreading. We don't know if the vaccine is going to stop you from spreading. We don't know if children spread. There's a lot we don't know about this. So this whole idea, you know, Trump failed and we would have done this. You can't get the left to tell you anything they would have done that Trump didn't do because, well, they're really, I mean, he did pretty closed, closed the borders to Europe. I couldn't believe when he, I was broadcasting live, my chin hit the floor when he said that. And so on the world meters, in April, we had 2,000 cases per day. Right now in Canada, we've got 6,000. In the April death count, if you slide down, it's three graphs down. You look at the daily um, deaths, we were at 200 in April. We're at 50 now. We're, no, we're at 100. We're at 100. We're half the deaths, three times the infections. Like, you don't need to be a rocket surgeon. I say that with humor. <laughs> a rocket surgeon to figure out, like, holy shit, we're doing a lot better. And this is what drives me about the left. The left used to, I thought, used to stand for anti-war, used to stand for weed smoking, hippies, music, peace and love, tolerance, everyone. But, you know, that's not the that's not your left anymore. And we've gotten so far from it. Just once I want Ilhan Omar or AOC or Rashida Tlaib or whoever to say, I love America. These people loathe their own country. And can we just stop for a second and go, you know what? We're more tolerant than we've ever been. 
We're less racist than we've ever been. Yes, does racism happen? Yeah, on the fringes. Everyone hates it. Except, I mean, there's got to, you could probably, if, if you brought the, 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 the national population of the KKK or the white supremacists together, you could probably fit them in a, a standard Starbucks. There's just not that many of them out there anymore. You look at Antifa, they're everywhere. So I just, like, can we just stop and say, yeah, we're getting three times the infections at half the rate of death that we had when we were when it was hitting us, when it was unexpected, when the numbers were really high. Can we just congratulate ourselves? It's not perfect. People are still dying. But let's treat this virus with the respect it's earned, not what the media wants. And, dude, I appreciate your thoughts on what is the what's the end game here on the left? Are they just trying to break businesses? break the family but like i don't think they're that organized and devious and that um nefarious to have this globalistic i haven't bought into that conspiracy yet but i just i wonder what the end game is like is it they need you to be dependent on the government so that their welfare payments buys votes well, okay. So, so, so here's the thing: when when you when you look at when you look at every single one of the things that the, that the Democrats have been doing, right? Every single thing. Who does it benefit? It benefits big government and big corporations. That's it. That's the Democrat Party. So every every single thing that the Democrats are are, are talking about in their platforms, everything that they're doing, it benefits two two groups of people: big government and big corporations. So, for example, let's take the lockdowns. For example. We're shutting down all the all, all we're shutting down all these businesses, companies. Which are the companies that can afford to stay open without ha, without being open for eight months? Disney can do it. Disneyland's been shut down out here in California for you know since since March or April or something like that. Mm-hmm. They've been trying to reopen, but Gavin Newsom won't let them. But they've got billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're not going anywhere. But but you know, same thing with Starbucks. Starbucks isn't Walmart's going anywhere. Fine. Yep. But. The small businesses, it's like it's like the government is intentionally weeding out all the competition for small business. Why? Because because if, if you have centralized power with the government and centralized power working in collusion with big corporations, it's it's only a handful of people that control everything. And I think that that's really the end game when it comes to this is we're seeing um, all the small businesses are getting pushed out. Small, small government people are getting pushed out. We're getting censored. We're getting kicked off of platforms. I think it's, it's the centralization of power when it comes to think about it. You could have Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey right now. They're pushing for legislation to actually regulate the social media industry. Why are they pushing for regulation? Is it because they want to be restricted themselves? No, because, because they know they're going to have a hand in writing the new laws and they can, they can manipulate the new laws in order to restrict Parler and Gab and a lot of these new startups. Oh, yeah. it, it's this, it's the same kind of thing we see in almost every single industry. The, F, the FDA is another, is another perfect example. They work in collusion with the very big companies that are putting all the pesticides, all the chemicals, all the horrific practices, all the animal abuse, all that kind of stuff. They're the ones that are setting the rules for the FDA on how farmers are supposed to be. It's making it more difficult on the small farmer, it's making it easier for the big farmer to actually to actually raise plants and raise animals and raise cows and slaughter and all that kind of stuff. It, it's it's a corrupt system right now, but it's centralizing the power. I think that that's the end game with all of this is getting the power to where it's only a handful of people working in collusion with each other and they're weeding out all the rest of us. How do you come to that 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 opinion? Because I just. 
I'm I'm more willing to believe that they're so ignorant that they're doing it without thinking. Like it's a byproduct of their ignorance. I, I just can't believe that they're that organized and nefarious to like, oh, here's what we'll do. We'll break small business. Like I can't believe that anyone in government would collude to break the bedrock of Western culture right now, which is small business. Yeah, I, I mean, big business but, plays but, a role too. But but what, what what benefits the politicians more? Small business does not benefit a politician at all. You know right. what does? Lobbyists and big corporations. Mm. And, and, and so they're working for what's going to give them more money, what's going to give them more power, what's going to give them uh, more more votes. Think about it. The more people that are on welfare, if you're on welfare, normally you're going to vote Democrat because the evil Republicans want to take it away from you. Mm. It's, it's this, it's this way of really keeping control. And, and if you can get it to where, uh, to where people have to get a job either in the, with either for the government or for a big corporation, you know, now all of a sudden they can, they can, you know, the majority of people that are working for big corporations are making minimum wage. They got to rely on the government anyway for a lot more welfare and a lot more handouts and things like that. But then also too, the, the, the big corporations like the Walmarts, the Targets, the McDonald's, the Starbucks, Disney's, whatever it is, they're funneling money to the government officials, funding their campaigns, getting them reelected. It's this vicious cycle. But also the other, the other piece of evidence that I'll throw out there is when it comes to COVID-19, the majority of these politicians don't actually believe what they're saying. No, otherwise, you wouldn't ha- <laughs> otherwise, you wouldn't have Gavin Newsom going out, going out to the French laundry without a face mask indoors not social distancing that's why that's why nancy pelosi went into uh get get her get her haircut no social distancing no face mask indoors when everybody else is shut down these people okay did, did you did you see the video that was going around the over the weekend of the saloon owner out here in california that was showing her outdoor seating and, yeah, with and the movie uh, crew beside her yeah and like and like literally She's there and she's like, my She's in tears. Seating. She's broken. She's yeah. probably my, probably suicidal too. Yeah. My outdoor seating that's outside <laughs> is deemed dangerous. 50 feet away, a movie studio that again, funneling money into the government so they're allowed to do it. Wow. That's deemed safe. They don't even believe what the heck that they're talking about. And this is where I, I, I don't think that this is naive. I don't think that they're just intending to do what's best for the American people. And it's just, they have a different ideology. The collusion and the corruption that's been going on, especially this time, this election cycle and, and in 2020, where you have the mainstream media, the, the big tech, you've got the Democrat party, you've got big corporations all putting out the exact same talking points, censoring all a speech, ignoring the truth, ignoring the facts. To me, this is more than just an unorganized, naive, just kind of like stick your head in the sand kind of a thing. This is a very intentional thing that really, to me, gives a little bit more cre- credibility to this idea that there's there's something way more sinister going on. And I'm not normally a crazy, wacko conspiracy no, theorist, but when, but when you're looking at this, you're like, I don't see how it could just be coincidence that all of this is happening. Hmm. Tell me what's your underlying commitment and what are some of the actions that you're taking right now to help, to engage, to be an activist? I hate that word now because it's so much, you know, uh, referred to for people on the left. But, you know, um, to stay positive and bring a message of hope, you know, outside of your religion. I mean, you can fall on that if you want. But I think, you know, there's many in the secular community that when as soon as you say, well, God will take care of it, they're like, oh, fuck, crying out loud. You're not going there again. You know, and I wonder, 
Do you think conversations like this are helping? There, there's so much polarization, so much division. We're I'm really cemented in my positions now. I did, I thought I was earlier. You know, 1993 was my first election as a Green Party. I ran as a favor to a friend. I really believed in proportional representation. Um, you know, taxing bads, tax pollution. Well, well, you shouldn't be able to just put your garbage into the air. We paid a we pay to put it in the, in the land. You might, what, what do you, you know? So I'm still kind of a lefty there, but I just wonder what your underlying commitment is, the actions that you're taking to keep people hope, hopeful. And do you think that little guys like us having conversations like this really make a difference? Because when I'm done with this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with Michael the other day, huge Twitter following. He's got a rabid, rabid following. Like his, when he gets his stuff propagated, he gets more retweets than likes. I'm like, I get a tenth of the, you know what I mean? So yeah. I just, I get off and I go, well, that was unbelievable. My Twitter account's blowing up. The, the video's at 50,000 views in four days. Why am I doing this again? I just keep coming back to, you know, shouldn't I be selling houses, making money? Podcasting is not making me any money anymore. I wonder if you think that, you know, I, I just get off and I'm like, well, what the hell am I doing this for, man? I get beat well, down. Well, he, well here, here's the thing though, is that, it's it's all these kinds of conversations that I think actually allowed Trump to have a legitimate red wave. So when you look at the data, you look at the analysis, it was clear that Donald Trump actually won that election. He probably won the, he probably won the popular vote. And, and the reason why the Democrats got caught cheating and stuffing ballots and, and taking such drastic measures is because Trump was beating even the algorithms, even the rigged election against him, he was still winning. So compare this with, with 2016. Back in 2016, we had we had the, obviously the Democrats who, for whatever reason, loved Hillary. I don't know how anybody can love Hillary, but they loved Hillary. But then you had you had the Never Trump movement within the conservative party. So even the even the Republican Party was was split, splintered, and all that kind of stuff. Trump won that election despite I'm sure there was some level of rigging that was going on in 2016. Didn't have full support of the of the Republicans. Realistically, how did Trump even win that thing? I have no idea how he actually wins something when you're even splintered within the Republican on, Party. It was Russia, but but I but I will say is that I think I think when it comes to I think when it comes to right now, we've seen Trump gain ground in the Black community. He gained ground in the Latino community, in the Asian community, mm-hmm. in the LGBTQ community, and in every single minority community. Donald Trump gained ground. He did better this time than he did last time around because I think people are beginning to wake up. They're beginning to walk away from the Democrat Party. Again, I'm out here in California. I can attest. I could probably name a few dozen people that I personally know that voted for Hillary in 2016 and voted for Trump in 2020. Mm. I don't know a single person who voted for Trump that voted for Biden. Mm. Not, I don't know a single person that walked away from Trump. No. He's only gained. So then how do they expect us to believe that – 80 million people voted for Joe Biden, more people than anybody in history. There's no more momentum. People than Barack no Obama. I'm in communist California. <laughs> I saw three Biden stickers wow. in the entire state. I saw three Biden stickers. I've probably seen hundreds. I, I was driving down PCH, the main road going mm-hmm. along the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I accidentally, I accidentally get caught up in a MAGA parade. Accidentally. I wasn't even trying to. And I get caught up in the middle of it. Like that's the kind of momentum that was going on. And you know what? In California, Trump lost by a wider margin than he did in 2016. You really want me to believe that? Yeah, just... I don't think so. So, so to bring to bring it full circle. Okay. 
These kinds of conversations are vitally important because it's these kinds of conversations that woke people up. And, and I think that if, if this was a fair election, we would have seen Trump more than likely probably got at least 80 million votes. Joe Biden probably got from a lot of the data and statistics that I'm looking at, probably more in the 60 million range. This was a landslide, a landslide for Trump. The numbers right now don't reflect it because they cheated. But that, but, but, but this is still proof that these conversations work because they woke people up. It, it was the intellectual dark web that really kind of got, got a lot of that started where they were having inter interactions with, with each other, discussions, conversations. Mm -hmm. They were willing to actually deal with it. And then it's kind of branched off. We've got podcasters everywhere. I, I can tell you for, for a fact, I know of several people who simply woke up because they were listening to podcasts and compared, well, this is what they're saying. This is what CNN is telling me. I'm going to go research it myself. Crap, CNN, they don't know what they're talking about. Mm. I can tell you so many people that woke up because of this very kind of a thing. So from my perspective, I look at it like it works. Now, mm. it, doesn't, it doesn't stop people from cheating. Cheating sucks. <laughs> yeah. But in changing minds, this kind of stuff actually works. Well, the hypocrisy of the left is something, uh, strangely enough, it entertains me. You know, we all know Trump was elected by the Russians in 2016, so my mic was off when I tried to answer you there, but <laughs> come on. <laughs> um, but now, you know, when the Democrats, they had this false narrative of Russia, Ukraine, impeachment, all this stuff, and now this is the safest, most secure election we've ever had. And there's so many ano uh, an anomalies. I don't know if it points to... Well, it looks now that it there is widespread voter fraud. It looks like Dominion could be a corrupt company. I think that all deserves to be looked at, but I don't know how you need to bring one shred of evidence other than the Constitution to the Supreme Court and go, listen, all these states that passed mail-in ballots before the election, you're done. You can't include them. Forget it. I don't know what you well, do after that. You know, if you send it to Congress to elect the president from the House, oh, God, please. Please, uh, you know, I told you I'm detached. I don't care. I was in denial. I'm still very attached. I yeah. don't want to see the states run by these these tyrannical psychopaths, for lack of a better word. It's just it doesn't. It's it's not helping our kids or small businesses. Anything. We're already we see it already. Biden, he's been declared president elect by the media. And already he's saying 100 days of masking, um, lockdowns. We've seen it all over the place in Newsom. Like, it, there's just no end to the hypocrisy. No, there, there, there's literally no, no, no end to it. And the thing, the, 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 the thing that we're dealing with, too, is that, again, from being the party of science, face masks, they, from everything that I've been reading, face masks actually make the transmission of it worse because it's splitting apart the 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 droplets in in the condensation in your breath and making them lighter floating in the air longer and so that's why you have states like california where the cases are skyrocketing even though everybody's wearing masks it's because it's splitting apart the air droplets they're staying in the air longer thus making it more contagious the very face masks that are supposed to be protecting us are making it worse so that's that's problem number one but but i but i think the i think the other side of it too is when you look at like a joe biden you look at the democrats you look you look at their end game this is why I think that they're not even giving any credibility to 
the, the, any of these recounts or, or checking or auditing or whatever it is, because they know that, that, that they would get caught, right? That's, that's why all of these lefty judges are shutting it down left and right is because they know, they know that they'll get caught. To me, if I was an honest candidate. Yeah, which, do the audit. Do the match the signatures. Do it. Go, go for I won. it. <laughs> I won. You know, like, you're, you're not going to disprove anything. But the thing is, when you look at Dominion and you look at Smartmatic, Dominion, uh, not not to th- not to throw your country under the bus, but Dominion's a Canadian company. It's a it's a fo- okay. It's they a have foreign- an office in Canada. We don't actually know where they're from. <laughs> well, they, 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 supposedly they were founded outside of the United States. Okay, and then in 2018 they only became an American country in 2018 or American company yeah. in 2018 when they were bought by an investment firm, okay. right? And so and so in 2018 they started saying we're an American company. That's disingenuous because you weren't in all the years that you've been working before 2018. So there's problem number one, right? And who's the their software. neighbors at the building that they uh, house in Toronto? Is it Soros or somebody like that? Yeah, it, it, yeah it's Soros, which I'll, I'll get to Soros here in a second. But then, but then you've got Smartmatic, right? Smartmatic also involved in all, in all this kind of stuff, the software, all that. My good friend Bobby Lopez on his podcast, The Big Brown Gadfly, he was interviewing a whistleblower from the Philippines where they use Smartmatic technology right. to rig their elections, right? Mm-hmm. He was telling, he was saying in the middle of the night when they were counting votes, the, the, the actor candidate, the celebrity candidate that was running was up by like 700,000 votes or something like that. The power goes out in the oh, middle of the night for two hours. Just like the broken comes, pipe. Yeah, it comes back on. The, the establishment candidate's up by half a million votes <laughs> during a power outage, right? It happened there. And the, the, the political candidate who ended up benefiting from it ultimately ended up getting, uh, getting arrested for corruption. Of course. It's the same companies doing doing the very same strategies happening here with with the with the with the pipes bursting up in Michigan they stopped counting in the middle of the night for no apparent reason and then there's 140,000 votes that drop in in the middle of the night 100% for Joe Biden when they were not supposed to be counting at all anyways well here's the other interesting tie too and this brings it back to the whole religious aspect because again I deal with both both the the Christian stuff and then also the political stuff the Southern Baptist Convention which is the largest denomination here in the United States within within Christianity They've been saying since day one, uh, since election day, there was no voter fraud. There's no evidence of it. Cr- Christians, conservatives, stop buying into all this. Cons- this is nothing more than conspiracy theories. You're discrediting your faith. They- they've been going very, they've taking a very strong stand. Uh, who this, are right? they funded by? Open society. <laughs> Jeez. Now, and this thing. is fact. This isn't just speculation, right? Like this no, is all this on is, paper somewhere. You can, you can go. You can go look on the Open Society website, <laughs> and they talk about funding the Southern Baptist Convention, wow. right? Okay. So here's the thing. Did you see George Soros tweet the other day? No. Okay. So George Soros announces that that one of their board members uh, that that they're promoting him from being a board member to now being the president of Open Society. This guy is the chairman of Smartmatic. Oh, gosh. The chairman of Smartmatic is now the president of Open Society, which is George Soros Foundation. Now, here's the thing. Bring, bring this full circle back to the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest denomination in the United States that's supposedly conservative, but they're condemning conservatives for doing this. They're literally getting funded by the company that rigged the election. Is that not corruption? Hmm. At the highest level, and so many just want to say, nah, fake news. Like, the yeah. media's not touching any of this. And I, you know, I was never, I really thank God for Trump. I know my friends don't want to hear that, but he turned, he personally turned me on to American politics. I'm a political addict. 
but I was so concerned with my municipal, my regional, then provincial, and then federal. Usually, I spent most of my time federal. Then I got really engaged locally because, well, that's where you can make the biggest changes mostly, right? I've never been elected. Um, but Trump, I think I got turned on to Trump because, I, again, I was on this false narrative thing. I did a huge deep dive into Jordan Peterson, all his work. I've, I've consumed every video he's done multiple times. I just find the psychology fascinating, uh, the human mind and history. Jeez, he's so brilliant. We've missed him so much. He, he looks like he's coming back from the Benzos. I see he's doing uh, podcasts with his daughter there and whatnot. But I was not a Trump fan. All I, The only deal I made with myself and probably my creator was, I'm not going to hate this man. I'm just not going to... I'm not going to generate any new hate because I have enough of it. I have a hard time placing it where I think it could be used in a good way. Like, I mean, hating pedophiles isn't a bad thing, you know? Um, Last I checked. Yeah. Um, But I wasn't going to generate any new hate for him because I was so consumed with Stephen Harper, who was our last conservative leader in Canada. And as a lefty, he was burning up the libraries and the, you know, the, the books and, you know, he was really anti environment. And as a lefty, I was really glad to see him go. I ran in that election. Trudeau was elected. Again, I didn't. I knew Trudeau was a bag of hammers. Like he's not the brightest guy in the world, but he's bright enough to put smart people that know how to get him elected around him. He knew how to ride his father's coattails on his name. So he he's just when you speak to him as a human being, he can't carry an intellectual conversation other than the scripts. And he's, man, he's really good with the scripts now. So it comes off like knowledge because you've got the memorized scripts. But I gave him a chance. I was hopeful. I'm like, he came down with his gender parody cabinet. I'm like, oh, it's a new day. It's a new day. Same thing with Trump. I didn't hate him right off the bat, even though I thought he was kind of a turkey, you know, from The Apprentice. I didn't know who he was, but I'm just saying, no. I'm not going to hate on this guy. I just gave him room. And then he started to get me with his humor. His middle finger was up all the time to the establishment, which I'm like, thank God. We've never had a president that was more anti-establishment, more anti-political correctness right up my alley than when it started with the issues, immigration, guns, abortion. Boom. I was lining up with everything. And then now... Like my Twitter feeds, my Twitter says a reluctant Trump fan because I didn't start out that way, but it started by defending his out of context statements because people are so brainwashed. And again, these are the same people that didn't know about the Biden laptop. They just watch enough or hear enough clips here and there and it sets in and it's truth. And then they never go looking for anything more than that. But that's yeah. that's the reason I got into it was was all Trump and uh, I feel kind of embarrassed to say it, but I become a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, well, see for me, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. I, I, I say I'm a, I'm a three term Trump guy. So, so actually I was actually wanting him to run it back in 2012. Okay. And I was actually, this was the one time I was kind of pissed off at Trump. I'm like, why would you, why would you not run in order to back Mitt Romney? I mean, that one, that one just didn't make it, make any, make, make, made no sense to me at all right. with, with that. But but when, but when it comes to when it comes to Trump, I've been kind of following him off and on over over the years. I've read some of his books, like there was the one book he wrote with Robert Kiyosaki, "Why Why Why We Want You to Be Rich," and it was a great book specifically because he was talking about income inequality before people were actually talking about income inequality. And he was saying 
because of the big government solutions and the government involvement in the economy, it's dividing uh, the wealthy and the poor and pushing out the middle class. He wrote this like 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. He's like, been very he's consistent. Even on his narrative on China, he's been trashing China and saying they've been eating our lunch for 30 years. He hasn't yeah, changed I mean, a bit. And that's yeah, the, the, I mean, what, another thing I love about Trump is I, if you're a shark, as long as you don't come with the Bible in one hand and the dagger behind you, if I see the shark with the big teeth coming at me and you're not pretending to be any different, okay, I'm good. And that's to say, like, at least I know what I'm dealing with. It's the ones that, you know, try and trick you. And th- that's what I love about Trump is you get Trump. It doesn't matter if he's in church, at a party, at a, a at the state house, at the White House or whatever. It's always Trump. He doesn't pretend for anyone. He doesn't bend his beliefs. He's Trump every day. I want to believe I'm the same way because it doesn't, you know, I'll, I'll curb my language when I'm with kids or with, and when I'm in church, I do, you know, production at one at the church and stuff, I run video director and stuff like that. So yeah, I. but other than that, I'm the same guy every time and that's when you look at trump you go oh god that guy cannot pretend at all he cannot act (laughs) you look at justin trudeau and that's all it is it's a huge he's a drama teacher and our finance minister and uh deputy prime minister is a journalist no training none interesting no political no economic nothing she's a newspaper columnist one of the highest positions in the world and they're all actors and she, like Christopher, Christine, Christy Freeland or whatever, mm-hmm. the condescending, the way she talks is like, you know what, and this, it's just condescending all the time. And, you know, that's the side you don't see about Trump. I saw an old video on Facebook that I actually shared because I don't share a lot of Trump stuff because it gets me so much heat, you know? On Twitter's not so bad. That yeah. MAGA built my hot rod on Twitter, so, but on, on Facebook, it's all lefties. Um, oh, sorry, I forgot where I was going with that. What was I? Sharing, sharing something about sharing something about Trump. I think it was. Oh, the acting. Oh, the acting. Yeah. yeah. No, these guys are just straight up acting, and and that's you just get uh, authenticity from Trump, and that's you know that's one thing I appreciate appreciate about him is one the anti-establishment thing, the lack of political correctness. He's I don't you know I've been in the background of a few campaigns, um, less than I've been the front man as the candidate. And you want your candidate to listen to the political ops, the Roger Stones and the Bannons. Yeah. And if your candidate won't listen to the guys that actually know how to get elected, your candidate fails. So I wonder, you know, I talked to Michael Johns about this, and he seemed to think that Trump's probably going out on his own a little bit more than he's actually listening to the experts. And I don't mean the medical experts because he put Fauci up there. Fauci was the point guy. I think he did everything Fauci told him to do. And, you know, I think that was a political move. And then he, geez, he brought Fauci back in the other day for the announcement on the vaccines. So you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. But then he goes everywhere and Fauci's a different guy. Every interview he does, he's not with Trump. He's a different guy. He plays to the media completely. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I, I think I think the thing is, is too, is, is you were mentioning about how how the, how the media would report on on Trump and they, they would always misinterpret everything, misdefine fake news, just just like, you know, mis, misapplying every single thing that he says and make, make it sounds bad. I went on a podcast on it was actually on election night, went for two hours on this show 
with a bunch of European socialists. And they said, we're so far to the left that Bernie Sanders looks conservative. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, so th this will be fun. But it was really interesting because there was one point in the conversation where, where the one guy says in passing, you know, on a completely different point, he's like, and, you know, and, and we all know that Trump's racist. So, and I'm like, well, hold on, let's, <laughs> let's, let, let, let's break this down a little bit. Right. I, I like, I'm not, I'm not going to let that one slide. Yeah. So, so I'm like, okay, so why is he racist? And then the first thing was, well, he said that he said that Mexicans are rapists. And so I'm right. like, okay, go pull up the video. Just, just pull it up in context. Like it's not what he actually said. And they're like, well, what about Charlottesville? I'm like, Right. What, what about Charlottesville? He's like, well, he said that people on both the both the white supremacists and the black Black Lives Matter that they are they're good people on both sides. I'm like, well, actually, he specifically explicitly said, not including the white supremacists and neo Nazis, but you but you guys don't know that because you're only looking at things taken out of context. And he was specifically talking about the people that were having a debate about taking down the statues, not the actual exactly. rioters in the street. Exactly, exactly. And, and so I I literally went like thing by thing by thing, and then eventually it just turned to yeah, but he's still racist, and it's like. This, this is the kind of brainwashing that the media has put everybody through is that there is, there's this almost like subliminal, almost subliminal messaging that's going on where every single time they talk about Trump, it's always in the light that because he's racist, he did X, Y, and Z. So they can look at anything that he does, mm -hmm. and it's always through the prism that Donald Trump is a bigot. Donald Trump is a Nazi. Donald Trump is whatever it might be. It's always through that prism. And I think that we... As conservatives, it's incumbent upon us to try to break that apart and get people to start rationally thinking through this hmm. because they, they've been brainwashed for five years now that Donald Trump is X, Y, and Z. He's evil. Hmm. He's the he's literally Adolf Hitler reincarnated. Right. He, you know, he's he just go down the line. He is just pure evil, pure scum, all that kind of stuff. If we can begin to to un, to unpack that a little bit, get them to rationally think through that. I think that we could actually gain some ground and also too, and this is one of my biggest strategies too, when it comes to talking about politics and stuff with people is I try to take the personalities out of it. Hmm. So when it comes to Trump, I don't make it about Trump's immigration policy or Trump's tax cuts or Trump's whatever it is. It's, well, what do you think about this specific issue? Forget Trump. What about this specific hmm. issue? If we could take Trump out of it, I think that the majority of Americans, I would say probably 70% of Americans are actually conservative. But but sure. twenty percent of them are buying the BS that they're getting from the mainstream media mm -hmm. and believing the lies about Trump and about Republicans and about and about the GOP and, and things like that. But if we can get them about the issues, mm -hmm. they'll actually be conservative. So if we can make the, the if we can make the thing about the issues as opposed to the people, because nobody nobody voted for Joe Biden because of his platform. His no. platform is is utter insanity. The majority of people don't even know what the heck his his platform is. They just mm -hmm. know him as the anti-Trump guy. And so if we can if we can make it about the issues, I think we could be, I think we could begin to turn things around. It's just we have to be very very intentional about that. I like the word intentional and I like how you subscribe to the same type of idea. I think it's a really effective debating strategy. Is it not even debating but having a conversation, especially when you disagree with the person that you're sitting across from, is okay, we're out here. We're separated. We're apart. There's a deep divide. Let's go back to where we agree. Okay? So we back the argument up down to it's kind of like it doesn't matter whether it's abortion. Okay, so where and then why why are we splitting apart here? And um I think that's a, an effective strategy. Strategy, and I'm still I'm coming back to this this concept of conversations like these possibly being helpful. Uh, Gavin McInnes has had a hard time 
and I have a hard time getting lefties to come into the show because you think if you have an educated, flexible uh, lefty and an educated, flexible righty, they should be able to have a good discussion and kind of get somewhere and kind of change each other a little bit and kind of make some concessions. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. And again, backing up to where we agree. And I wonder your thoughts on, so Gavin was paying guys tens of thousands of dollars, lefties, like Michael, uh, what's the crazy black guy, Michael, uh, oh, he's all those big words. He he went after Jordan Peterson on stage at the Monk debate one time. Michael, oh, it'll come to me in a minute. He was paying these guys big dough to come in because that's the only way they would come in. And then he said, you know what? I'm almost of the belief now that I'd be better to have like the Groypers on with Ben Shapiro. They're on the same political spectrum, but they did, they they have different beliefs, you know, um, and have them debate within their own party and belief system because because you just can't get the left to talk to you. Yeah, they 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 won't be, they will not be intellectually honest. Is is the frustration? It's if they have their end goal. And then they'll say anything that they have to do to get to that end goal. Whereas I think a lot of us on the right, we're willing to discuss and debate the semantics and the and the and the uh, small minutia of the debate and the argument and find common ground and things like that. They're looking at we've got to defend abortion no matter what. There, there's like no ifs, ands, or buts, and so they'll dig themselves into a hole in order to fulfill that mission. I, you know, I've been trying as well to, to get lefties to come onto my show. It's extremely difficult. I've, I've had a couple, and it, for the most part, it's, it's been pretty good, pretty good conversations. Uh, the other day, actually, on when I was co-hosting the Mindy Thomas show, we interviewed uh, the actor Jeremy London, who was on like Seventh Heaven and and things like that. And he 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 has like Trump derangement syndrome. Okay. So so that it was an interesting interesting conversation, and you could tell his blood pressure was rising, and he was mm. getting tense, and just like you know, it, it it was it was physically affecting him, right? But the, but the thing is, is that at least he was willing to be open and honest. And, and that was the one thing that I appreciated about talking to him was that totally disagree with him. He, he clearly, he clearly cannot stand Trump. He clearly hates Trump and there, it brings a physical reaction to him. Like he gets triggered. Like you bring up Trump. He's just like, uh, well, you know, this what? is the funny part because they don't get that what they think they see in Trump, they're exhibiting. Like when Madonna stands at the Women's March and says, oh, I'm thinking of and blah, blah, blah. And he's a ra- like, she's taking what he, what she thinks she's receiving from him and then just pilot. Like she's, she's just being Trump to Trump. She's, she's being what she thinks Trump represents back to him. And like, I'm just, geez, you guys are, this isn't tolerance. <laughs> not, not at all. They, they, they build up a character of Trump or of conservatives or of Republicans or, or people on the right. And then everything is looked through, looked at through that mm-hmm. worldview, even though it's a fictional character. It's not right. nonfiction. It's a fictional character right. that they've created about Trump. And I'm like, but, but take a step back. Trump has done so many good things. Democrats cannot find a single good thing that he did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we had a great economy. Mm-hmm. He had the first steps act. He, he brought, he's had the lowest unemployment among, among, among the black community. Uh, he moved the he moved the uh, embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Major issue that every single president's been promising nobody fulfills on. He actually did it. Like I could go down the list and cite things that if Barack Obama did it, you guys would think he was the greatest president in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. But because Trump did it, it's racist. That's the problem that we have to figure out. How do we get through to people 
and have them see the the hypocrisy in their own arguments. That's the difficult part. But I think if we keep hammering home and we don't back away from the fight, we don't back away from the argument, and we actually engage with each other and engage with people on the left without getting angry, without yelling, without getting out of control, but bring it back to the actual issues and show them their ideology is hypocritical. Because at a certain point, some of them are, are going to be like, crap, I I might be wrong here. Yeah. At a certain point, they're going to run out of excuses. Yeah, I, I, I want to stay on that thread. And we're running a little bit over here. You okay for time? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've kept you an hour, over an hour already, so I have to try to keep it to, uh, to my commitments. But uh, what do you think happened to the left? And how do we get them back even to a little bit more moderate or honest position where we can have a dialogue and get somewhere? Because... You know, this whole, we're, you know, I hate that saying, we're all in this together. No, we're not in all this together. You got the elite that's in their class. You got the politicians in their class. And then everyone everyone else is pretty much a victim. But what do you think went wrong? Because, like, I was always a lefty. I was always kind of the free love, hippie, peace, no anti-war, all that kind of stuff. And Democrats, you know, I was not an American. If I was an American, you know, political fan. I would have sided with the 60s and 70s left. They're not the same left. I don't know feminism. I know that probably played a part. It's been toxic. We talked a little bit about fatherlessness and killing God. But what do you think went wrong? And how do we get them back? I don't think there's getting any back. You called them actors. You know, AOC is a perfect example of somebody that doesn't have any political experience that was auditioned for the job, placed in the job, supported with lots of money, and she'll be there until she decides to quit, probably. She's not going to get thrown out of office because she's just, the following's too big now. She's got too much money behind her. But I just wonder what your thoughts are on, you know, for a guy like me that used to lean, I still lean left, but none of the policies that are the most important to me, speech, immigration, guns, feminism, masculinity, God, you know, there's, I, 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 I'm moderate right. But the, in this day, they are so radical far out to the left that a moderate center right guy looks like a radical now compared to these guys on the left. They're so far left. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think a lot of it comes back to their, their embracing of intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really been dividing everybody. Victim culture, you mean? Yeah. Vic, victim culture, victimhood. And, um, and, and it's ba- because basically what they're doing is they've been pitting Americans and just people in general against each other de- dependent on which group and classification they're a part of, right? And I think that, th- that all of this that's been going on with the Democrat platform is just all of this coming up and just exploding onto their platform is, is that everything comes down to a particular group and catering to that group, whether it's a minority community, the LGBTQ community, women, uh, you know, feminism, gay, whatever it might be. It always comes down to who is going to be, who can, who is somebody that we can say is a victim. And it's always the oppressors are always the white males or white people in general or Christians. And so there, so that, that pushes all of us to the, to the Republican side. And then everybody else goes to the left because they're not a racist. You know, like I'm not a racist, so I can't identify with the white supremacists that are clearly on the conservative side, you know, because they're the oppressors. We like I can't identify as that. That's why they all go to the left. Everybody's being manipulated. And it's been it's been going on for a while. It's been going on under Obama. It was going on even even during the Bush days. We began to see some of this intersectionality kind of, you know, hopping into the political sphere and and things like that. But I think the last four years 
is just really exploded because what they're trying to do is they're trying to pit the minorities and all of these individual little communities against Trump because they're trying to get them to turn out because I think that they realize we're beginning to lose. We've got to ramp it up a little bit. And now this idea, this ideology has gained such, such a strong hold in people's minds. It's, it's, we're almost at this point of such extreme polarization. I don't know how to overcome it because, again, we're looking at the world from two, two completely different worldviews. Mm. One is, like, for me, I'm looking at this. Conservatives are offering to the American people freedom and liberty and opportunity for, for everybody, no matter what your background is, no matter what your gender is, your race, however you started out in your life, you still have an opportunity. That's what, that's what we on the right are offering to everybody. The left is offering a, in my opinion, a racist ideology that's, that's set up based on this view of white supremacy. They're literally teaching white supremacy. Kamala Harris put out a video right after the, right after the election. She literally said that black people are inferior to white people. That's why they need a handout in order to catch up. We're doing the same with women, too. I'm so tired of hearing that women are victims and need our help. Jeez. We put them on a pedestal. We put them above men. They they create life that they don't. They're not victims. Yeah. And see, see, here's the the thing, though, is that this, this, I think, originally intended to be this political tool of gaining votes. Because if you make people feel like they're a victim, then you're going to vote for the the party that believes that is saying that we're, hey, we're going to help you, the victim, you know, get yours, basically. And I think that now what we've seen is that everybody's a victim. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, crap, we've been a victim for a long, for a long time. The Democrats haven't done anything to actually help us. In fact, the Democrats have actually kept us down. I think that that's why you're starting to see people wake up to Trump because Trump's like, what do you have to lose? Come over to my side. I'm helping you. Look at what I've done with the black community. Look, look, look at what I've done with, to help everybody and bring freedom and opportunity to, to everybody. But I think that this is really where we've come when it comes to the leftists, when it comes to the Democrats, is that it's changed from the Democrat party of the 60s and 70s to it's come to everybody's a victim. So if you're a Democrat, you're a victim in some way. You Mm -hmm. have this victim mentality. Somebody's screwing you. Somebody's keeping you down. Somebody's keeping you. You're entitled to something. Exactly. 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 And that, and that, that I think is where we're at right now is it's basically people that are offering opportunity versus people offering victimhood. And then the American people can decide, do I want opportunity or do I want victimhood? I'm sorry for me. I'll take opportunity. Freedom and liberty, man. Uh, I wonder if you're brave enough to make a uh, prediction on what goes down with the Electoral College and this whole presidential uh, stop the steal, whatever's going on down in the States. Do you think that the court will have the political courage and political will to take a stand and say uh, on mail-in ballots or the constitutionality of changing the law or any of these irregularities that we've seen, or uh, I think there's more smoking guns to come, but at this point with the information you have, what's your kind of take on what happens here? Does Biden get inaugurated, inaugurated or not? Um, I, w- I would say more than likely Biden does not get, does not get inaugurated. Um, you know, I, for, for me, I'm looking at this. Uh, a lot of the courts are, you know, shutting down lawsuits left and right. Um, it's intentional. Again, the majority of these ju- judges are, you know, lefty and, you know, things like that. I think if we can, if we can find a path to the Supreme Court, that's obviously good. But there's also multiple paths to actually getting Trump in office. It's not just through the court system. It's all, it could also be through, through the state legislators and, and they come in and they vote to decertify their votes. 
they could uh, reselect their electoral uh, voters. Uh, so, so there's that side of thing, or they could just say, Hey, we're not, we're not even going to send electors to the electoral college because we don't know how our people voted. They could entirely do that. And then if it keeps either Trump or Biden from breaching two, 270 electoral votes, then from what I understand, it can actually go before the house and the Senate in which the house would choose the president. The Senate would choose the vice president. And everybody's like, well, the Democrats control the house, right? So, you know, they, they they'd pick Joe Biden. Well, from what I understand, not every representative actually gets a vote. No. It's it's each individual state one, gets a vote. One per Trump, state. Yep. Trump has more states mm-hmm. represented in the House of Representatives than the Democrats. So more than likely he'd get in. So Trump has multiple paths, as well as there, there's also the talk about, I think it's Matt Gates and um, and Rand Paul are saying that they're going to contest it if, it if it comes before them. And if you have one senator and one Republican that that contest the the results of the electoral college, then the House and the Senate have to go back and renegotiate, and they could potentially have to do that vote, you know, with the with the House choosing the president and the Senate choosing the vice president. There's multiple different angles uh, to victory, I think, for Trump, and, and there's enough to where I think Trump could actually pull this off, and more than likely will. The question is, how will he get there? That to me is the unknown because there's so many variables. But I think ultimately, in the end, he'll get there. And if it happens that way, and God, please, because I don't trust your country under the left, and speaking of the left, you think you saw riots and burning? If Trump is installed by Congress and the Senate confirmed, dude, it's going to be civil war, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. right right now, I've been saying we're in an ideological civil war. Mm -hmm. Uh, When when Trump gets in, or I, I would actually make the argument, either Biden or Trump gets in, I could potentially see us getting into a physical civil war. Either way. You think um, the, that the right will come out, even though historically they've really taken their losses well, like, like the left. I mean, they tolerated eight years of Obama. There was no riots in the streets then. Right. Well, well the, difference, the difference is I don't see riots coming out of the right. I don't see the, the, no. same, the same kind of battle. What I see is I could see in individual states, like let's say North and South Dakota, Montana, Tennessee, some of these more red states saying, we're not tolerating this. So either either knock it off federal government or we're not going to recognize your authority. Or I could even see getting getting to a point where they're like, we're we're just gonna ignore the 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 commands from the federal government. And then that could start that 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 civil war. Mm. Uh the other side of it is that it could also be a civil war within the states or within e- within each state, in the sense of it's not states versus states, it's ideology versus ideology it's the fighting in the streets it's the it's the rioting and the, and the looting if it's the rioting and looting it would more likely come from the blm antifa crowd things like that and then the right would then respond to defend our neighborhoods and our properties and our cities and things like that but i don't see necessarily a pathway to peace and safety after this election in my opinion it's going to be a rough next four years and this is what i've been saying about even trump getting in we need trump to get in if we want to preserve our country, because if Biden gets in, number one, 10 to 30 million illegal immigrants are getting are getting no law and order. In the, right. But that's 10 to 30 million more votes for Democrats. They want they want to lower the voting the age. The they never want, win again. Yeah. Ne- never again. They'll have complete control, at least with Trump. It'll still be difficult. There'll probably still be violence. There'll still be anarchy. There'll still be all this kind of stuff. But at least we have a shot to turn things around. We have time to work to reform the Republican Party bring it back to true conservatism and actually work on getting better candidates, better presidents, figure out what we're going to do after Trump. Cause if Biden gets in, I don't know how we come back from that. 
I agree with you. Just on the way out, I'm sorry we didn't spend enough time on this at all, but uh, tell me about the book, your faith, how this all ties in and how it guides your life. Yeah, definitely. So, so, so for me, for me being a Christian as well, for, for the way that I look at everything, I, I look at everything from on one side, you've got the political realm on another side, you've got the, the spiritual realm, the realm. Right. And I think that right now we're seeing that kind of like clash where they're both kind of imploding before our eyes. What's happening in, in the church is also happening in politics and vice versa. I think that we're seeing uh, this, this moral decay in our country right now, obviously with these anti-God ideologies and very progressive, very leftist uh, belief systems that, that are rooted in, in denying the existence of God and uh, we're, we're no better than animals. Thus, you know, it's okay for me to do whatever the heck I want. There is no morality if there's no God. We're seeing that. And, and so for me, I take this approach of we, we can't just focus on politics and we can't just focus on spirituality. It's got to be both at the same time. And so that's why I've got my two organizations. So I've got the gatekeepers that focuses more on the Christian side of things. I've got Freedom First that's, that's focusing on the political side of things. And so we actually just put out this book called Church and State, How the Left Used the Church to Conquer America. And it's our second book project that we put together. And I brought together a bunch of different contributing authors and guys like Pastor Craig Locke, uh, Greg Locke. We got Denise McAllister who used to write for Daily Wire Love and Denise. The Federalist. She's been very generous yeah, she, with me coming on the show too. Great woman. Yeah, she, she, she's awesome. It's, it's been well, great. The book was great too. Well. I read it before it, uh, she gave me an advanced copy of it. Well, she's a great writer. Oh yeah, she she she's she's phenomenal. Uh, we had Pastor Kerry Gordon write a chapter on the Constitution and, and tying that in with biblical understanding. And he he so he's a pastor out in Iowa uh, that uh, every single person who's running for president on the Republican side tries to get his endorsement. Mm -hmm. And so they'll go over, have dinner at his house. He kind of you know challenges them, ask some questions, whatever it is, and everybody tries to get his tries to get his endorsement. So he wrote a chapter. Just a bunch of great guys. But basically, what we're looking at is the strategy at play right now of the left trying to subversively infiltrate into the church, get into our seminaries where they're training the pastors, get into the pastor's conferences, um, understanding some of the ideologies that are going on. We already talked about George Soros as funding the Southern Baptist Convention and again, direct ties to Smartmatic. That's the kind of corruption that we're looking at even within the church. So this book is really exposing uh, that kind of stuff. Cool, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. That was uh, very generous of you. Uh, any other predictions you want to make on the way out? Any other sound bites you want to get me to promote later? <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, so number number one. What's the most I, controversial I, thing you find yourself saying these days that you take so much heat for? Uh, most controversial. Oh, I mean, all I got to say is, is Donald Trump's the greatest president ever. And, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that, gets, that gives me crap. But, it's but I will like say me this, saying I, the other day. Te positive tests are not cases. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you racist. You hate old people. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, so for me, so for me, predictions wise, I've got Gavin Newsom's going to be recalled uh, pro probably next year down here in California. You got a recall uh, so mechanism in Cali? Yep. Yeah. Ooh. So, so, so right now, and I just had on Mike Netter, who's heading up the recall movement. Uh, and so during COVID, we're in lockdown right now, right? We're in lockdown. He has eight, we God, need 1.2 right. million signatures in order to get him recalled. What we have is, what's the percentage you need? Uh, I, th I think I think we have to have was it was it 10 percent of the electorate to the previous? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So so he said that we need 1.2 million signatures. We ha he has 800,000 right now. 
It's, and, and he's like, that's without us being able to really go out because we're all on lockdown. We're not able to do anything. And we've, we, we literally will put up a sign that says recall Gavin Newsom. He's like, usually when you do these recalls, you have to explain, well, here's what he did and here's why. He's like, all we do is put up a sign that says recall Gavin Newsom and people just come flocking and signing up. My well, especially is now, they're saying that uh, California is being red-pilled more than any other state going right now. They're, they're, who, who said it? I think it was uh, Bridget Fetese the other day said, they're snorting red pills in California now. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. It, it, it's, it's, it's really turning. Um, and so, so my prediction is that, is that Gavin Newsom will be recalled probably next year. Um, I'll predict that Trump will get into office at some, at some way. I don't know how, but I predict he will because – he, he legitimately won, won that election. Um, other predictions. I don't know really any other predictions except, except that the other, the other side of it is that all of this COVID-19 stuff, if Joe Biden gets into office, they're, they're ramping it up right now intentionally, intentionally. So that way when Joe Biden gets in, about two to three months after he gets in, it'll all fade away. And then Joe Biden will be the, the miracle the worker hero. that saved the world. So I think that this is why they're artificially bumping up the numbers, getting us in lockdown, making it seem like it's worse now than ever. So that when Biden comes in, it's he's fixing all the mess that Trump created. Wow. Who, just on the way out, who are you? So you mentioned some uh, people that wrote chapters in your book and stuff like that. Who are your friendlies as far as broadcasting go? Who's, who, who are you chummy with? Where are you getting your news and who are you collaborating with these days? Yeah, for sure. So, so, for, so for me, I don't necessarily, uh, so I don't watch mainstream media, none. I don't watch anything on the right. I don't watch anything on the left. For me, I'm looking at, okay, uh, I look at the actual source. So I look at the press conference. I spent a couple hours reading Sidney Powell's actual lawsuits that, that she filed. Like, I don't want to see what somebody, I don't want, like, I don't want to see what Tucker Carlson says about Sidney Powell's lawsuit. Mm -hmm. I want to see her actual lawsuit. So that's kind of my, my mentality. Um, but it's it's been fun doing these shows where I'm interviewing people because I built really good relationships. So so Michael Johns, awesome guy. I love Great talking to him. And we'll too. text and communicate and things like that. He's awesome. he's awesome. Been really supportive. Uh, I, I love Dr. Nan Hayworth. She's awesome. Uh, she she was the first um, elected uh, female doctor I think in the House of Representatives. I've had her on my show a couple of times. She she's a wealth of knowledge. She's awesome. Um, and, and then, you know, honestly, I, I've, I've had a lot of just really good luck talking to people like Joy Villa is awesome. Kaya Jones is awesome. Mindy, Ro Mindy Robinson is awesome out, out in Nevada. Uh, Jerry Wayne, the guy who, who challenged Joe Biden up in Michigan. And I don't, are you familiar with Jerry Wayne's story? No, not at all. Okay. So, so Jerry Wayne is a union worker up in Michigan and, and Joe, and Joe Biden came when he was campaigning probably January or February or so. And he came to to the actual plant where Jerry was working, and so Jerry came up and he and he confronted him on his um, attacks on the Second Amendment. Oh, so I think I saw that our, video. Yeah. yeah, Joe Biden. What most people don't actually see in the video because the mainstream media clips it. Joe Biden challenged Jerry Wayne to a fight outside. He actually said, "Do you want to take this outside?" And he and he was stepping up on him and threatening him. And and so so Jerry, Jerry and I have become good friends. I'm like, dude, do you really want to challenge a union worker like that? Come on. Um, but 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 Jerry Jerry's awesome. Again, it's been really cool doing these interview shows and just getting to meet people and talk to people. But the one person that I will say that's been doing a lot um, is my good friend, Ken Peters. So he's a pastor. Uh, he actually founded the church at Planned Parenthood. And so what he actually does, instead of doing the Westboro Baptist route of yelling and screaming and protesting and that's he holds church services outside of Planned oh, Parenthood. I heard you talking they, about that. Yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's an awesome guy. 
Uh, so, so he's been doing that, really raising awareness and doing this in the, in a more positive way as opposed to the, to, to the negative protesting. He does a really good job with that, but he also just planted a church in Tennessee called Patriot Church. And it, he's like, most churches are afraid of talking about politics and talking about Christianity and faith and how we should be voting and who we should be supporting and the kind of laws we should be doing. He's like, we need more of it. So he actually created an American-loving Patriot Church in Tennessee. They, they got a barn and they, they painted a, an American flag along the side of it. It's like, it's like full on, but it's, it's, it's really awesome because he's taken a look at what does the Bible say about these issues that we're facing as a country. So Ken Peters is another up and comer to, to, that you're definitely, definitely got to keep an eye out for. Cool, man. I've got your contact information up here. I got you on Twitter. I've got the gatekeepers right here. The people, uh, it's being broadcast now. Uh, Freedom First Network, the American Conservative Movement. What other you know, websites or anything else? Uh, you got uh, Patreon or anything like that where people can support you? Uh, so, so we don't have a Patreon, but on our website, uh, so on my Christian website, gatekeepersonline.com, we actually have a membership program called Plugged In, where people can actually pay like 10 bucks a month. So it's very similar to like a Patreon. And then I do like an exclusive podcast for everybody. Nice. I get like 30% off of all resources in our bookstore, you know, things like that. Um, but then the, the main other thing would, would just be, you know, check, if you guys want, check out our, our main two books we've got. We've got Social Injustice, which takes a look at the social justice movement. And then we've got this new book, Church and State, How the Left Used the Church to Conquer America. You can get those both at gatekeepersonline.com. Hey, and uh, to promote, use code Jeff at checkout. You get 10% off. Awesome, brother. I love you. Keep up the good work. I really appreciate your generosity. You don't know me from, I've been really grateful for a lot of strangers just going, yeah, dude, I'll come on your show. Who's, I think it was. Was it the oh? I was a, a musician from Australia. He said, "Yeah, you. I'll do your show. I've never done an interview before. He hasn't played live in, since 2012, and he spent a half an hour with a. So yes, I've been very grateful for the generosity of uh, you guys, especially, you know, uh, when I'm putting tough questions like, um, how is it that the states can change the election laws the way we elect poll? You know, like yeah. when they when the autonomous zone came down in Seattle." immediately said roll the tanks like tanks is kind of a little bit dramatic i get that but well in reality you could take out Chaz with 15 mall cops antifa is not all that tough right no, not at all <laughs> but i was really struggling with why is trump not just like no you're not setting up another country inside a sovereign state i'll destroy it and my conservative following on Twitter would say, yeah, back up. But he's, he's letting them, he's giving them enough rope to hang themselves. They're going to flame because their cities are burning down literally to the ground. And before the election, you don't want to pull, you know, uh, you know, an act that threatens the, the sovereignty of the states. And this is, it's all going to work out for the greater good, you know, um, well, and, and, and also dealing with that too, he, he was letting the American people see what life would be like under Democrat rule. Mm. Amen to that. So thank you very much for your time. I've got nothing I want to say to you off, so I'm going to end the broadcast here and uh, cut this. And uh, thanks for the retweets and all the love. And uh, we'll have you back in again at some point and, uh, and see what else you got to say, brother. Sounds like a plan. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. All right. Peace, bro. And that's how you do that. That is Jeff Dornick. You can catch him here. <sighs> I'm exhausted. Well, it's an hour and 40 minutes of conversation. It's not like it's a whole lot of work, but 
you'd be surprised. Oh, um, staying with the conversation, staying present to the answers that are being given. And, you know, I don't have a script here. I don't have any questions written down. I don't have any agenda. I just, you know, basically just getting to know people as I talk to them here with you guys. So this is how you find Jeff, the American conservative movement, Freedom First Network. And the gatekeepers, we didn't get into, if I have them back in, I think we'll get into a little bit more of the spiritual, religious aspect of it, because he's got a pretty good depth of knowledge on that. And, uh, well, everyone's got no more knowledge than I do, so I appreciate talking to these guys. So, peace, love, hug your neighbor, and uh, get that dirty diaper off your face. It's not worth it. I am out.